Won't you join us for another 99th episode? That's coming up right now. <laughs> what is time anyway? <laughs> yeah, it's too far to running a little late. I mean, you could have got a done while I was running late, but you know, it's anyway, why we're back on the Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, there's no time like the present. Yeah. So we talked about a couple things to talk about today, um, but I actually had a couple of random things come up. Do you want to start with random things or uh, the, the planned subjects? Yeah, random it to me. All right. So I started focusing on reading this big super thick collection of death note which was like the i i bought it for super cheap at uh, a store that's out here called martin's it's like the equivalent of like pick and save which i think those are gone now but you probably still know what i mean right oh yeah i remember yeah. the pick and save yeah you know like uh they, they buy stuff from stores that close down or remainders or stuff like that so like you go there to get good deals and you never know what you're gonna find and they had uh bought out um from when some uh some bookstores were closing down and so they had this uh this big um like giant paperback like so death note is like 108 issues and it's all 108 issues in this like trade paperback that's like um the size of like uh you know the the novels you'd get at the checkout of a grocery store except like if you like put three of those together so i'm 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 thinking of like uh one of those paperbacks of fantasy books that is four inches thick yeah exactly things okay exactly and it's only the like you know uh i don't know four by six inch page size or whatever like pretty small anyways uh so all of that is to say that i'm not only like i'm not going full steam on that and trying to pound through it all because i would get bored at some point and hate it uh so i'm trying to read a little bit of that each day and kind of find other stuff to mix in that maybe i'm i'm a little less focused on so what I started to do was pick random things I had gotten to read, um, whether it be physical copies, comicsology sales, whatever. And that all kind of conglomerated in my head uh, that I kind of realized that there's this thing that we do that I assume we all do. Maybe I'm wrong. Man. I'm just weird. But um, have you ever noticed that when you discover uh, like a new area of something to explore that you have this nesting phase where you start to, I don't know exactly what I like in this, so I'm going to get a little bit of this and a little bit of that, and I need like lots of options around me, and you, you pick stuff up on sales. You haven't read that much of anything yet, so you don't even know what you're going to like and what you're not going to like. Well, I think the two dozen action figures currently on my desk, all from different toy lines, would attest to that. Yeah, <laughs> so it's, it's like that kind yeah. of thing. Like you discovered, and you talked about this before, you discovered uh, like third-party toy makers, I guess you'd say. Like so they're not licensed products. They're just like companies that want to make toys, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so you discover that and you're like, oh man, this is cool. I don't know what to get. So you start to get different things. And I doubt you're finding like crazy sales, although I could be wrong. Um, whereas like we both know that with, uh, with books, uh, with comics, trades, whatever that you can all like comiXology always has sales on, right? Sure. And yeah. You can always find, you know, buy two, get one free deals or, um, like I go to bull moose and I'll look for used things. And if something has like caught the edge of my interest and then I find it used, it's like, well, I might as well grab it cause it's so cheap. I mean, I got uh, Uzumaki, which is a book that I really loved and was kind of the beginning of both of us getting into Junji Ito. Uh, it's a, I want to say it's like a $30 book or $35 book, and I got it for $12 because it was used. Uh, so th- that's kind of some examples. Like, it's really easy to start stockpiling stuff. So with focusing on reading this um, this really, really big book that I want to take slowly, uh, I'm also reading... The Sixth Gun by uh, Colin Bunn uh, with art sure. by uh, Brian Hurt. But but that, like, I don't know. I'm just like, I'm not ready to, like, like I, I pounded through the first two trades of that. I'm just not ready to, like, fully dive into something at the moment. Like, I that's going to be my next, like, big dive. But uh, so I kind of started looking around at other things. And I have been working on cleaning up my office. I, I actually don't know if I shared this with you, but I decided to get completely out of records. I... I traded in all my records. I traded in my record player to Bull Moose. Just got rid of everything. So I said, you know what? I'm spreading myself out too much. Some of it starts to just become clutter. Even though I haven't taken the time to listen to records, like I still always want to look at records if they're around. So I'm just going to take that away. So I got rid of that stuff. I wrapped up all the presents for my wife that were starting to build up in my office. So I'm like, 
that's kind of half of the clutter of my office. But I just now everything is a little disjointed too because I removed all these pieces. So I need to start reorganizing my books because I have a stack of 20th century boys graphic novels on my floor because I had collected a few of them up and then I found a really good deal and I got the second half of the series and I actually just ordered the ninth volume that just came out uh, I don't think too long ago. So I'm like, I need, to, I need to start getting stuff put away and situated so my office can get decluttered and I can just you know find a new way to clutter it up later. So I started looking for low-hanging fruit, like things that will be easier to read, uh, not the biggest things, but things that I'm probably going to read and then just trade in. So I grabbed a book off my shelf that I started on. I also started on some stuff on comiXology. So I, I kind of wanted to talk about this smorgasbord of different things that I've tried. Okay, so it's like a, a sampler platter of yeah. Paul's recent reading. Yep, I took way too long to take that sip because there's a tea bag in it. Um, <laughs> so yeah, the so tea bag always gets in the way. Yeah, and it's it's in. So uh, I was telling you this before we started recording, but my wife found these. They're like tea bags that you put in cold water, so like you just throw it in your water bottle or whatever. You let it sit for a few minutes. You shake it up, and it flavors the water. Um, and I'm not much of a hot beverage drinker, so this is actually pretty cool for me, and it is good. No pun intended, that it's cool for you. Ha! Yeah. Yeah. The cool the cool beverage is cool for me. The, what's weird is I, I do like hot beverages. That's what I find. Even on a hot day, it can be like a 100-degree day, and I'll think, hot cup of coffee? That sounds good. Yeah. You know, it's I think most people kind of go one way or the other. I think the people who are like, well, it's hot out. I need something cold or vice versa. I Maybe there's three categories, but I think the people who switch based on outside weather think the others are odd, and then the ones who stick with hot or cold no matter what think the ones that like change their choices are odd. I I guess I never really thought about it either way, and I just figured this is what I do, and I don't... Yeah. I don't think you hear about it much unless you drink uh, iced coffee during a blizzard, like we're starting to get right now. Oh, sure. (laughs) Yeah. like, what are you doing drinking a cold drink? It's like, I, I drink cold drinks. What do you want me to tell you? What it is for me is like certain drinks I want hot, certain I want cold. So my coffee and tea, I always want hot. And my beer and kombucha, I always want cold. Obviously, <laughs> hot beer and kombucha sounds terrible. But, <laughs> but have you tried it? Uh, I'm just going to pass on that. I've had warm beer and it's not great. Mm, I think you need to try it. I don't. A nice hot beer cider, I don't know. Um, mm, a nice, really, really <laughs> hot kombucha. Hot and fizzy. That yeah. sounds terrible. <laughs> yeah, you, you give that a try and let me know. I'll, I'll let you uh, I'll let you explore that territory. I may pass on that one. All right. Anyways. Um, so back to the smorgasbord. Yeah, so the first book I'm going to talk about, I, I've read a little chunk of this, and uh, it's it's been fun. Like, I don't think I'm going to keep on getting the volumes of this, but it, it definitely has been enjoyable. Um, it's called The Way of the House Husband. It's uh, by Kosuke uh, Ono. And it's uh, a manga about um, a Yakuza boss who just, like, kind of stops being a Yakuza boss. So he's, like, a stay-at-home dad, basically. I don't know if he has a kid, actually. I know he has a wife. Um, but there hasn't been a kid that I've seen so far. So he's just, like, full-on being a, a house husband. Um, you know, making his wife's lunch... Uh, learning how to, I don't know, just like, they're all pretty short chapters in it, uh, so I don't know how this was originally released, it either, I mean, like, these couldn't be, like, the chapters can't be single issues, because they're all very short, so it either, I don't know, they're like uh, 16, 14 pages, like, they're all pretty short, but it's fun, because they're just quick little stories, and they're all kind of entertaining, and it's like, showing him doing these things, and he's kind of a, just like you watch a samurai movie or something like that, and the samurai is very highly skilled at whatever they do, right? So he's a sure. Yakuza boss, so he's highly skilled in, in violent ways or whatever, but he's just taken all of that uh, ability and energy and put it into being a, a house husband. Like, in the free, few chapters that I've read, he runs into one of his former, I don't know, employees. Uh, you know, one of the guys that, that uh, worked for him. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the guy's like, uh, you know, where have you been? Everything's falling apart. Uh, and he, like, takes the guy to a cooking class and makes, like, some food that impresses everybody. And they're all ooing and aahing. And the guy, like, gets mad, slaps the food away and starts shouting at him. 
and uh, Yakuza, the Yakuza boss guy says, um, you can't protect the things you love with violence. And that's when the guy slaps the stuff away and starts yelling. And then the Yakuza boss just starts smacking the crap out of him. Uh, and it ends with a guy going, but this is violence. Uh, so it's, I don't know, it's all kind of short and fun. Uh, definitely not really building a story, which is, like, why this is enjoyable. I, I could see down the road being like, you know, that was fun. Maybe I'll pick up volume two, uh, just like on a whim. But it's definitely not the kind of thing I'm like, oh, man, I need the next volume because it's not really building any story. But that's been enjoyable. So if you want a, a fun, easy manga read, uh, The Way of the House Husband, give that my thumbs up. I, I, it's funny because I'm thinking about this. It it seems like that one of those terrible movies that you would uh, get like starring The Rock or something. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, he was a mob enforcer and now he's a stay-at-home dad. Yeah. And, yeah, stuff. Mr. Nanny with Hulk Hogan. Yeah, yeah sure, exactly. <laughs> like one of those types of things that it seems, it's almost like a genre of itself, the... Uh, uh, rough and tumble man forced into the domestic situation. Yeah, and I think part of the reason it works is that they're short and sweet. Like they're they're quick little stories that are amusing, and then you move on. It's not trying to be anything bigger or more serious than it is. And you take that kind of scenario and turn it into a you know a ninety minute long movie, and it's too drawn out. It's not really funny. Like it needs to be kind of short and quick hits. Like if they made a, a show like the, that type of movie and it was like a you know like a web show that's like ten minute episodes, it'd be a lot easier to make those enjoyable than making a whole movie would be where you need to have like a plot that grows. Um, yeah. Okay. Like these are you know there's yeah there's plots to the stories but they're all pretty short and sweet. That sounds like the perfect type of thing to be in bite sized chunks where it's. It's like, well, that's a premise that is entertaining for 10 or 15 minutes, and that's kind of it. <laughs> exactly, so, yeah. I mean, yeah. It, it's just right for that. I had tried reading another uh, manga collection called What's Michael? That's all about a cat or cats. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I had seen people highly recommend it, said it was you know really funny. And then I read it, and it didn't appeal to me. Um, like, I get, like, cat quirks and stuff, but, like, to me there wasn't enough that was, like... There, there was too much that didn't interest me in it. There were some moments that were like, yeah, that's that's pretty cute. And if it was more of that, like, it would have been better. I think it would have been better in a smaller collection because this was, like, a big sucker. But um, this one, like, was uh, much more uh, relatable and enjoyable, I guess. So, anyways, next one. Uh, I I had uh, I, I like watching Comixology sales. Like, you can find some stuff for real cheap on Comixology sales sometimes. And with it being Black Friday recently, there were more sells than usual on. I didn't find a lot that I really wanted, um, but there was a couple of books uh, from one publisher that were, they had a bunch of stuff for 99 cents. And a lot of them were things that are on Comixology Unlimited. So I'm like, I'm not going to, even for 99 cents, like I'm not going to purchase a bunch of those because I could just like spend six bucks to have Comixology Unlimited for a month and pound through a whole bunch of them. I just kind of looked around at anything that caught my eye uh, that was not on Unlimited. There wasn't a whole lot, but one that I got that I just started reading is a really strange book. And it made me think of when we first talked about manga and you talked about one that was about like ramen, right? Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. So this one is called Cells at Work, uh, Code Black. Uh, and I've seen this in the in like Barnes & Noble also, and there's more than one sells at work like series i guess you would say and this one for some reasons and i still don't know exactly why it says it's 18 plus and the other one doesn't say that it's uh it's 18 plus uh from my recollection but this is like literally it starts out and you're like the main character is a a red blood cell but he's a person so like you're you're like a person in like a city basically but you gotta mm-hmm. you gotta transport the oxygen the oxygen that's all that you gotta do and um as they go through they keep on seeing other stuff and uh they explain what it is so it's basically teaching you about you know things about uh like biology in this story and there's like you know they run across uh, across bad things like um uh, uh cholesterol being dumped places and it hardens the art hardens the arteries and like the first chapter, by the end of it, uh, somebody start like the body there, and they start smoking. So there starts to be um, carbon dioxide coming, and like uh, 
changing the the red blood cell. Like it's literally teaching you about biology in this story. That's kind of weird. Yeah, that sounds bizarre. The only thing that's even remotely eighteen plus about it is when the white blood cell shows up to like save the day. It's a female character whose boobs are like pretty well hanging out. <laughs> okay, that's which is yeah, seems totally right. Like there's no nudity. Uh, there's no like. Even if there's profanity in this, it's subtle profanity. Like, it didn't stand out to me. So, I mean, I I, only, I read through the first chapter. I'm just going into the second chapter of it. Uh, but I see, like, no reason for this to be, a, like, a mature-rated book other than cleavage, basically. So that's hmm. uh, that's one of the other ones. I was Last night, like, I read some of Way of the House Husband. I read some of uh, Death Note. And then I got on my uh, comicsology here and started poking around. So I read uh, an issue of Scooby-Doo Team-Up uh, that... I think you had partaken in that. Like, they had tons and tons of Scooby-Doo books for free on Comixology, The, like, 100-plus right? free Scooby-Doo issues day? Yeah, so I got all of those. So I've, I've just been kind of, like, reading one here and there to kind of keep moving on them. Uh, and uh, then the other book that I, I dabbled in a little bit last night was uh, Volume 2 of Dementia 21, which I talked about that book before. And it's essentially the same, you know, similar thing to, like, Way of the House Husband, where it's a bunch of short stories but dementia 21 is crazy stories just to reiterate the the main protagonist uh she is uh like a home healthcare worker basically so she takes care of old people and but the stories are crazy uh it's definitely like a good book to read if you just want to read some wild crazy stories like the one story that i read in that book last night uh she was taking care of an old man who was getting mobbed on like in the new year by all of his grandchildren wanting money for like a new year's present. So kind of like the way we think about Christmas presents, like they have new year's presents, you know, and he's just getting blood dry and like mauled by all these grandkids. So he had 12 kids and all of his kids like were very prodigious as well. And they keep on. Ha- so throughout the story, first he asks her to kill all his grandkids and she's like, I'm not going to do that. But I'll help. And so she starts uh, intervening in his kids getting down, basically, to make more kids. So she keeps on doing things to, like, interrupt them getting busy with each other. But then that, it, like, there's just too many of them. So they end up having more kids. So then they, they try to, it's just, yeah, it's, it's a crazy story. But Dementia 21, if you want to read some just wild out there crazy stuff, it's fun. Cool. Interesting. So there's some of my nesting books. That's your nesting, your your smorgasbord of nesting? Yeah. All right. So I, I mentioned uh, I got a, a giant box yesterday of my own smorgasbord. And it's from uh, Big Bad Toy Store. Have you ever shopped with them? I haven't bought anything with them, but I've heard of them for years. Yeah, they're just they're one of the big online retailers of action figures. But what I like about them is they have a feature where you can buy stuff from them and then you say, don't ship it to me, add it to my pile of loot. And the pile of loot is basically they just store stuff for you until you decide you want to ship it all. And so this is really handy. Like, for instance, a lot of times what will happen is there will be uh, new figures released. It'll be a pre-order. And you don't know when exactly they're going to come out. Or there'll be a pre-order, there's six new figures, but you only really want one of them. Uh-huh. And the problem with like just buying pre-ordering from Hasbro is that you then have to pay shipping for every single figure. So you're buying a $20 <coughs> figure, but then you're paying $6 to ship it. Yeah. And, you know, you, you, you do that every time they have a pre-order because you want like one of the six figures they drop each time. And it kind of becomes not really economical and and kind of a pain and also just extra shipping and packaging and all that stuff. So I really like their service where I can say, okay, I want to buy this, but then just stick it in my pile of loot or I'm going to pre-order this, but when it arrives, stick it in my pile of loot and then I can wait and decide, okay, now there's enough stuff. I just want to ship it all. And, um, it's, it's been awesome because, Instead of getting dozens of small boxes, I've just got one giant box that covered everything I ordered from them over the last, like, six months. So it was uh, chock full of stuff. That's a good way to do it. So do you pay for the figure up front, and then when you ship it, you pay for the shipping for everything? Yes, exactly. 
Yep. That's a good way to do it, too, because, you know, they they also don't have to run the risk of getting stuck with stuff. And if somebody bails, well, they bailed on the figure, too. They already paid for it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I think also they have something where it will automatically ship after a certain amount of time. Mm -hmm. It used to be 90 days, but I think lately they increased it to 180 days. Mm Mm-hmm. So you, you're kind of you're you're gonna get it and you're you're stuck with it, but you've got a big window of time to add stuff to this pile of of loot. Yeah, that's a, it's a smart way to do it because uh, I mean it's we we talked before about trying to you know in person hunt down action figures and it's it's very hard and random to find specific things unless there's just no scarcity to it, which you know often case there's scarcity with everything like that because. Yeah, you can't just like uh, even figures that aren't like heavily collected or whatever. Like if I want to buy my son, and I know there aren't any out right now, but like if I wanted to buy him Michelangelo because he has the other three turtles, you can't just go on Amazon and buy Michelangelo. The only way you can buy it that way is through a reseller who is selling it for more money than it should cost. So the way you get it is you got to go to Target or Walmart or whatever, and if they're out of stock. They're out of stock until they get a whole other shipment, and there's only going to be... It's not like they're getting a shipment of Michelangelo's, and they're getting a box with a mixture of figures. Mm-hmm. So it makes it hard to find certain things. So like having a, a place like this where you could do that is great, because you pick exactly what you want. And just like you said, paying shipping over and over and over is, is the killer. That's like what's prohibitive to affordable things often, is that if you got to keep paying to ship it, you're not saving any money. Yeah. So there's, there's a couple trade-offs. They charge a couple dollars more per figure. Mm-hmm. Which is reasonable. Then... But the shipping is a flat rate. It's just $4 to ship whatever you've got. I mean, I got a shipment of probably a dozen figures for in a, a giant box, like a big, big box, and it cost me $4 to ship it. So that's the trade-off of like, well, I pay a couple extra dollars more. I know that the pre-order's in, and I'm going to get the figure, and I know that it's going to cost me very little to ship it. So I think it in the end really works out to be work out for me. Yeah. yeah. Sounds pretty. So what figures did you get? Okay. So I got the second wave of GI Joe figures, which includes Cobra commander and gung ho and the red ninja. And these are the six inch classified figures. Yeah. And it's, it, it's nice because these came out three or four months ago. Yeah. And so I've had to, I've had my Cobra commander for months. Yeah, you've had your Cobra Commander a very long time. And yeah, I just finally got my Cobra Commander. That's one of the benefits here. It's like, I am I never feel like I need to have it now, in my hands now. As long as I know I'm going to get it eventually, I'm usually happy. You know, with Cobra Commander, even though everyone else in the world had theirs three months ago, I knew, well, I'm going to get it eventually. It's no big deal. It's just waiting for me. And I'll get it in hand when I get it in hand. So that, uh, it works out for me. I, I really like this method. So the one thing that's weird is this gung ho figure is, is giant. Like they made him the equivalent of like six and a half feet tall compared to all the other figures. He's at least a full half a head taller than all the other GI Joe figures in the line. Like he's big enough that he almost looks like one of those seven inch figures from McFarland toys. He's just this really massive figure and it's kind of strange having it that you know this guy is just this giant compared to everyone else like putting him next to cobra commander cobra commander looks like this little shorty pipsqueak it's uh kind of very bizarre but it's kind of cool that they're doing that and making different figures slightly different scales because gung-ho is a big beefy dude and so it makes sense that he would be a bit taller than the rest. So I kind of dig it that there is a variety to the heights because it, so oftentimes it seems like action figures get into a rut where they basically use the same mold over and over just with little different details to be mm-hmm. different figures. So I appreciate it when the actual base figure is, has differences from figure to figure. Yeah, those those little nuances make a huge difference uh, in when you. Cl- I saw somebody post on Twitter. Uh, they were posting like old GI Joe figures, and they showed three figures side by side that had the same exact head mold. It was just different, like colored hair. Mm-hmm. It's kind of hilarious. Like, I mean, that's kind of what they did back in the day. Here's a different name for this guy, and it's just like the same guy three times with different color hair. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, they do that a lot. And I, there's some toy manufacturers that still do that a lot. And I'll kind of, I'll get to that soon. But next I, I got this, I got this figure from a toy line that I didn't even really know anything about. The, the company's called Joy Toy. And I think they're Japanese. Uh, all the packaging is written in Japanese. And I think it's from a video game called like Crossfire mm-hmm. or something like that. And it's it's just basically a female figure in a somewhat skimpy military outfit <laughs> is what the figure is. But I got it because I wanted it to make a custom figure of uh, another G.I. Joe that I thought that um, the figure would be really good for. So I'm going to pop off the head and use another custom head that I bought from one of the the people that just makes custom G.I. Joe parts and create uh, a whole new figure for myself. Awesome. And yeah. Yeah. So that's a little fun project I have coming up next. I got a bunch of mythic legions figures. Well, not a bunch. I got three mythic legions is a, this is one of those, as I was talking about like indie toy makers, mythic legions is, is one of these and it's, they're done by the four horsemen, which is, they're a company that's been around for like 20 years and a lot of what they did in the past was they would be hired by other companies to produce the toys like mold and sculpt the toys for their toy lines i I think one of the things they're most famous for is um the masters of the universe classics figures from like five to ten years ago which were basically just um updated versions of all of the classic he-man characters Mm -hmm. and they're they're really cool figures and really well done figures and they did their own fantasy line called mythic legions and so it's all like knights and elves and dwarves and orcs and goblins and undead skeletons and vampires and demons and and stuff like that and they're um they're like six and a half inches tall so they're they're a little bit bigger than a standard six inch figure where i really started to like them is the the detail and the uh detail in the paint application that they put on their figures is just like stunning (laughs) these are the best looking figures i've i've ever seen in my life they are just so so good in terms of like the the production value and man they just they really look cool there's i'm kind of limited to how many i can get because they're a little more on the expensive side and the old ones now sell for like hundreds of dollars the ones from like three or four years ago so i'm never gonna get those ones but i'm just kind of picking and choosing what i like and getting a, a few figures here and there and yeah they are just absolutely stunning that's awesome. Yeah, I, I, I think it's so much more fun to kind of just stick a little on the sparser side with uh, with collecting toys um, and like get those things that you really like because you start to get too many of something and then you know it starts to cross that threshold of like you're weighing out you know how much is it worth it. But like if you have just like one, like I got um you know they have in Walmart or whatever they have the the He Man figures that you can get now and I got Skeletor just because like, Skeletor is really cool looking you know. And, like, I, I never watched He-Man growing up, or I had never had the toys growing up. Like, I was never a fan of He-Man, but Skeletor's kind of cool. So, um, I, you know, I saw it, thought it was cool, ignored, you know, didn't get it for a while. And eventually I was like, you know what, this is kind of cool. I just, I, I want to have it to, you know, to decorate my office with. Yeah, it's a lot more fun that way than trying to be like, ah, I gotta get all of everything. And then you start to get away from the enjoying what you have instead of just appreciating, like, what's cool about what you have, you know? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm kind of mixed, because part of me, I mean, well, part of me has hundreds of G.I. Joes, yeah. right? So uh, where I've got the the modern version of every G.I. Joe character that was initially came out from 82 to 86, plus plus some extras, plus more that I'm I'm making custom figures of every day, yeah. like uh, I just mentioned. That's kind of different. So, That's a different level of investment for you than like every toy I think is cool. I got to get all of them, you know? Yeah. You know, and I'm actually kind of even starting to go back on this get every single one with these gi joe classified figures Mm -hmm. where i also got as part of this shipment i got two of the red ninja figures Mm -hmm. 
that were released in that wave. But I decided to hold off on opening them and just kind of hold on to them for a while and see if I ever get to the point where I'm like, yeah, I do really want this figure or no, I, I want to just sell this figure. And so sometimes I'll do that when, when there's a figure I'm not sure I want, I'll get it and I'll hold on to it. Especially it's, it's really easy when it's a figure that I know I can sell for at least as much as I paid for it, if not more. So uh, that's what I'm going to do with these red ninjas. Cause now that I have them, it's like, yeah, they look kind of cool, but you know, red ninja isn't exactly a, uh, crucial G.I. Joe character. <laughs> so uh, I'm just going to hold on to them and, and see how I feel about them in a month or a year or so and uh, kind of take it from there. Yeah, it's a smart way to do it, especially because with those, even if they don't really go up in value, you're probably going to be able to resell them like for their value. But then if you hold on to it long enough, like, I mean, I already, you can't find those figures in, in Target or Walmart or whatever right now. So yeah, if they're... Mm-hmm if they kind of do what it looks like they're doing, they have the wave and they run out, then, you know, logically they are going to have an increase in value. Um, as long as they don't start doubling over themselves where, you know, like, uh, Marvel legends figures, for example, that's kind of mm-hmm. what they do. They have the wave of figures. They eventually run out, but they've been releasing them for so long. There's multiple versions of different characters. You kind of know they're going to come out with the character again. And I like, I think some of them have a higher, value as time goes on and a lot of them don't really you know yeah it really depends because i've noticed there's some that are like hundred dollar figures now Mm -hmm. but then there's some that are ten dollar figures now yeah and it really just kind of it it's it seems like it depends on how many versions of the character exist like there was a psylocke from about a year or two ago now where it's the classic Psylocke in her little swimsuit outfit, Psylocke. And that's, a, I think, a pretty pricey figure now mm-hmm. to get. That's like a, I think, $80 figure or something like that. But I'm, it's Psylocke. I'm sure they're going to come out with another Psylocke sometime fairly soon. So Yeah, and then sometimes just one certain iteration of it is the one that people want. So even if they come out with another one, it's like people want this version of Psylocke instead of just a version of Psylocke. Okay, so the last batch of figures I got were Star Wars figures and they're Star Wars Black Series figures and they are a bunch of figures from The Mandalorian show which I've been loving that show so much that I just wanted to start getting some of the figures because I think that a lot of the characters just have really cool designs and I really love the show and so it just made sense to get it so I got a Cara Dune figure I got an IG-11 figure, and I got an updated Mandalorian in his Beskar armor figure, and I got the armorer figure, who's uh, that lady that makes his armor down in the little coven den. Yeah. Yeah, these figures are really great. Like, I remember talking to you a little bit about the um, the Cara Dune figure uh, maybe a couple weeks ago, because now you've you've seen the show a bit, right? Yeah, I've watched. Um, I think I'm about halfway through the first season. Have you seen the episode where Cara Dune shows up? Uh, is she the the one that he runs into on the like kind of sparsely populated world, and then they end up fighting? Yeah, yeah. She, yeah, she has kind of like a, a bluish outfit. I think so. Uh, tattoo around her arm, like she's a a, a big burly woman. Yeah, yeah. And so they captured that really well with her action figure. Yeah, that's right. You were like telling me about that. I remember yeah. we had that mm-hmm. discussion now. Yeah, because uh, she used to be an MMA fighter. So that's where a lot of her big bulk comes from. And so they actually made a figure that is like you represents that pretty well. And I think it's really cool. It's interesting that there's been a lot of backlash against that character because the actress in real life has said some kind of like odd stuff on Twitter, like borderline QAnon type conspiracy type stuff. Yeah. And so there's been the usual backlash of, Oh my gosh, like we can't like this character now anymore, (laughs) which I'm kind of for the most part good at like separating the character from the person that portrays them. And it's not like she's done anything reprehensible. She just maybe has some 
strange beliefs that I I don't believe in, but that's not a reason to, I think. You could dislike them as a person based on that, yeah. but like why why have to discard a character because you know, a, a person has their own beliefs like uh and there there's always a, I think there's always kind of a line to walk in. It depends on what you personally think with stuff about whether um you know, you avoid somebody's work because of that. But like the 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 point here is Star Wars, not so much like that person's acting skills. I think that there's a sliding scale to it, but just because somebody believes something different from you, I don't think is a reason to yeah to like be against that person so much and be like this person should get fired and shouldn't be on the show and blah 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 blah. yeah so. it's like i think tom cruise is pretty weird after what he's been through uh with scientology and stuff but uh i don't like i'm not going to avoid tom cruise movies because he's weird in real life um, yeah that's a great example but right? like kevin spacey i'm kind of fine never watching a kevin spacey movie again you know, just yeah, it, yeah, it's, it, and it, it, there's just there's always a lot of factors that go into it. It's like you know, in this case, it's Star Wars. You're not gonna like. Are you gonna not watch the Mandalorian? Are you gonna like throw out a piece of the Mandalorian because uh, you know, an, an actor is you know not in sync with you in real life? Or are you just gonna be like, I don't care about them outside of this, but they're just they're in this show. You know, I think the difference to me is did what they do actually hurt people or not? And in in this case, her having some like, you know, strange beliefs, I don't think really hurts anybody. It just, you know, is not w- w- what I think, yeah. you know? I think someone like Kevin Spacey, it seems like, yeah, he maybe did actually really hurt people with what he did. And so I think that's that's the line to me. Yeah. Is, um, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a difference between what somebody thinks versus what they do. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Like people, yeah. It think whatever you want to think as long as it doesn't hurt people. If it hurts people, that's a whole different story. Yeah. But anyways, so but, yeah, but anyways, back to sorry, <laughs> I, I, got, I got back to stressful conversations again. <laughs> which we what we're trying to avoid, I think, this week. We do our, our fun smorgasbord. Yeah, these figures just look awesome because I think the designs of the figures from the show is is great like the character design is just fantastic and i love this show and um yeah you really need to get caught up because uh the last two episodes have been mind-blowingly good i've seen people uh you know vague posting on it some and it definitely sounds interesting yeah i like i think i'm about halfway through the first season and i started off real hot like the first couple episodes i was watching while putting together um we got for like a special christmas thing this year we got this massive um lego uh like elf playhouse set uh and i was putting it together um for my son, like he did kind of the, there's smaller, easier parts of it that he did. And I did like the bigger house, which is pretty complex. And so I was watching the Mandalorian while doing it. Cause so I was like, I want to watch something. I don't know what I was like, screw it. I'm going to finally give this a try. And the first couple episodes, like, Oh man, I'm going to, I'm going to be, be done with this season by like midweek, you know, like I'm going to just fly through this. Then I got in the middle of the season and boy, did it slow down. It's still good. It's still fine. Like I definitely um, don't have the same fire to watch it, and I like I I haven't kept up with watching it. But I also I'm I'm not real good with that with TV unless something like has me real hyped up. I tend to just drift off to other stuff. Um, but the, mm-hmm. the episode where what's the character's name we were just talking about? Cara Dune. Yeah, the episode where he meets her is the episode that I was like, all right, this is kind of delving into cheesy now. Uh, you know, he meets the, the widow, the, the pretty widow lady, and maybe he should just settle down and take off his helmet and let somebody see his face. It's like, oh, that was such a cheesy episode. Like, it was still a good episode. I enjoyed it, but it was like getting into real cliche there. Uh, yeah, it, yeah, that one definitely did. The episode yeah. after that was pretty good. The, that was the one, if I'm remembering correctly, where he lands on the planet. He needs work done on a shift. He picks up this mission with somebody that's trying to get, like, vetted into the guild, and they, they, they catch the bounty hunter and yada, yada, you know? Yep. Mm-hmm. And that one was pretty good. Like, I, I thought that one, like, character-wise still kind of struck me kind of like I was watching uh, an old Star Trek episode or something like that. 
Um, mm-hmm. but it was like, it was good. It was an enjoyable. Um, so like, I, I do want to get back on it. Um, I've been, my wife is very much one of those show binging type of watchers and I'll usually be into it with her for a while. And then eventually I'll get tired of watching the same thing nonstop unless I really love whatever we're watching. Uh, so I, she started, I can't remember what we were on last, but then she started watching Horrible Histories, which is a show that she's watched before, so it's kind of a second watch through. Uh, but then we started watching Shit's Creek, which is a show everybody says really good stuff about. And probably the first season of Shit's Creek, I was like, I wanted to watch every bit of it. We're in the second season now, and I'm starting to be like, I don't want to watch this all the time. Like, this, you know, it's like, it's good, it's still funny, but I don't want to just sit here and only do this. I want to do other things too. So. All that being said, I think this is the point where I start to uh, watch Mandalorian again and mix in some other stuff. Excellent. Uh, yeah. So I. Yeah. So. It. So it, there's like different directors all the time for the show, right? Yeah, it's the same producers throughout, but they have different directors for each episode. Yeah, so that, that's pretty interesting, and I'm assuming it's the episode that was just released. Everybody commenting, I think. Uh, was it Robert Rodriguez directed it? Uh, I am not sure. Okay. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, this is just kind of reading the vague comments of people that aren't trying to give away spoilers, I guess. But uh, it, people's reactions definitely make it sound interesting. Like, I saw somebody tweet, man, they're, they're putting the Mandalorian through a lot of uh, crap this season, aren't they? And, you know, it's like... It sounds interesting, you know? Um, yeah, so I, I'll get back on that. Another show that I just started watching that uh, I think will be one that I, I binge through pretty quickly. Plus it's only, it's, it's a one season, 10 episode documentary. It is uh, the last dance, which came out earlier in the year uh, about Jordan's, well, the bulls last season with Jordan, their last championship. Oh yeah. yeah. I think I remember. Yeah. So um, hearing something about this, when it came out, it was being released on ESPN uh, I forget if it was like one episode a week or if it was one episode a night for 10 straight nights. I can't remember now. Um, but I, I don't have cable, so I wasn't able to watch it then. So I was just always like, eh, you know, I'll, I'll, eventually it'll be on something I could watch. And we just subscribed to Netflix again. We haven't had Netflix for like a year because we've been watching stuff on Prime. We've been watching, uh, I think we got a free trial of Hulu. And then I like Disney plus started and so we signed up for that. And so like the combo deal of them is like, we we started finding stuff we liked on Hulu. So we kind of stuck with it. Uh, So we just, I mean, we haven't really needed to go back to Netflix, even though there's all these shows starting to pile up that we want to watch. So it's kind of nice to have this uh, floodgate of things open up. That's all like new things, not picking some show that has eight seasons out or something like that, that then you binge through. Yeah. So like I watched the first couple episodes of the last dance last night and like it's definitely good. Uh, I, I'm really enjoying it. I'm a I'm a pretty big basketball fan. Depending on how the Lakers do, like if the Lakers are just they're out of it, I usually kind of just turn off my attention to basketball. But if they're competitive, I'm not only watching the Lakers. I'm paying attention to you know the the bigger scope of things. Uh, so this year, of course, kind of opened my scope back up in basketball uh, and watching the Lakers in the playoffs. I, I got Hulu Live TV for a couple of months so I could watch the Lakers win the championship and then watch the Dodgers win the World Series. But being able to watch them play other teams and see guys like uh, like Jimmy Butler in the final series, he was impressive. Uh, so it, it's cool seeing that. But then going back to the last dance, the Bulls' first championship win was in 91. They beat the Lakers. I was only seven, almost eight, when that happened. So I was pretty young, but I still vaguely remember watching it and being disappointed that the Lakers lost. So, like, Mm -hmm. I went through the 90s. Like, I hadn't settled into being a sports fan because I was pretty young. And the first sport I really got into wholly, you know, and, and learning about it was football. Basketball wasn't until 2000 when the Lakers got back to winning championships that I really got into it as a sport. Uh, other than just kind of being a, you know, a casual fan because my dad was a fan. So through the 90s, you know, everybody loved Jordan. Unless you, I don't know, like, unless you hated the Bulls, like, you loved Jordan. Unless you were one of the sure, people yeah, he was I keeping from winning was... it. You know, everybody, everybody yeah. like, he was everywhere. I never, I didn't dislike him, but I never liked him. I never cared because his first championship was beating my team. So I was just kind of like, mm. eh, you know, and then... 
like all throughout i just like i i never felt close to what was going on then even though like i was always around like people who like sports and stuff like that so it's, it's interesting watching it now where it's you know obviously many years later i mean the 97 season was 23 years ago now i know plenty about what he did what the bulls did um i you know like i've learned a lot about that because when like a you know when i get into something i get into all of it and so i learn a lot so it's really interesting watching the documentary and kind of putting some of these pieces together like i've known forever that scotty pippen was a massively underrated player he was potentially one of the top few players in the league when he was playing with jordan but because he was always second to jordan it was harder to tell exactly where he fit in I didn't know until watching the second episode of the documentary that a lot of the the problems with the dynamic, especially like right at the end, that 97 season, came because Scottie Pippen agreed to a deal that massively underpaid him as time went on. And his his team wouldn't renegotiate. They just expected him to play out his contract. And he, by the time the 97 season hit, he was possibly the second best player in the league and he was the 122nd highest played player in the league which is absurd oh yeah he was Mm -hmm. definitely the second best player on the bulls and he was first in a lot of the stats he was the sixth highest played player on the bulls so that's pretty crazy and but the like not just that but then the documentary shows why he took the deal because he needed to have a guarantee that he was going to make money even if he got injured or something because he had to take care of his family. And, man, that adds a very different dynamic to everything. Like, you can definitely see the, you know... Yeah, I had no idea. The, the chip on Pippen's shoulder, you know, that was pretty much rightfully slow. so. And it wasn't just that he made a stupid deal. The reason behind why he made a deal that wasn't in his best interest is is very different. His his dad was in a wheelchair. His brother was in a wheelchair. He was taking care of his family, his whole family, basically. And then hearing more about his story was just like, that really got to me. Like, that that whole thing. I was like, this is a good documentary. This isn't just recapping yet again, uh, you know, a great moment in sports. But it's digging a lot deeper into everybody. And, you know, seeing some of the stuff about Jordan and, and how he was and who he was and stuff like that. The second episode kind of starts off with that season starts really bad because Pippen got surgery right before the season wasn't playing. And he was riding his whole team's butt. Like, he was yelling at everybody. Like, I, I've got to do this all myself. Like, I'm not here to to be anybody's friend or make them feel good. Um, I'm here to push them to be better because I, I need them to, to be better to make up for Pippen not being there. And... Uh, Man, it just made me miss Kobe. Like, it just made me sad again, uh, you know, kind of relive all the stuff this year with, with Kobe dying at the beginning of the year. And uh, it just seems so funny to me that Kobe gets criticized so much for traits that were, they they were what Jordan was. And everybody, like, looks back fondly on, on Jordan and uh, kind of ignores it all. The difference is, is Jordan was lucky enough for most of his, the best point of his career, he had an elite number two that was perfectly fine being the number two. And Kobe didn't have that through most of his career. You know, when he and Shaq were successful the first part of his career, it was a fight for who was number one and number two, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. They could have done huge things together if they would have just coexisted better. And then later on in his career, he had, you know, they had three finals in a row once they got Pau Gasol. And that was the, the, like the one point in his career, he had a guy who was elite, who was happy being the number two and playing what that role was, you know? And, um, yeah, it just, it seems so funny to me, like as a, a Kobe fan, like I grew up watching him that everything that people criticize Kobe for is everything that Jordan was. It just was often hidden by things working out better for Jordan. Yeah, that's interesting how much uh, we don't know of the the day-to-day of what it's actually like working with these people. We really just see the the public persona or the public perception. Yeah. And so much of what we know gets run through that filter of what is the public perception or the public story about what this person is or who this person is or what role they play. I think a big difference, too, that we see is uh, Jordan's 97 season – compared to when, you know, the Lakers hit that era in 2000. There's 13-year difference. The level of visibility 
of everything changes greatly in that time. And even like 2000 to now, wait, no, I'm all off. I just said 13 years. That's stupid. Three years difference. But um, like, I think by, by Jordan's last season, like that's where there's starting to be more visibility than 2000. Like the visibility is just like building up more and more. And we basically watch Kobe play through his career where this, the growth and visibility of everything that's going on. It's like now everything is visible pretty much. Like, you know, everything Mm -hmm. about, so many people like we we have way too much information now and that's just happened in the course of 20 years from you know kobe wins his first championship to you know 10 years later he wins his last championship you know just how much everything that happened was exposed compared to how much it would have been exposed you know even just a few years earlier it's just crazy how much that's changed yeah interesting well i've got a couple other netflix recommendations if you want to hear them i would love to hear them yeah, there's two things I can think of that have, well, it's it's kind of sad to say, but my wife and I joke that these are like the highlights of 2020, which is these shows, because 2020 has been a year without very many highlights, uh, I think, probably for many people and for for us in particular. Yeah. Um, it's been a, a, a difficult year, both for obvious reasons and also some unobvious reasons as well. And we found a couple shows that we just loved and really enjoyed and they were bright spots for us in uh, this year. The first one is a maybe one of the stupidest shows I've ever watched. <laughs> it's called Floor is Lava and it is basically an obstacle course where they take teams and they have to play a game of the floor is lava like you did when you were a child where you jumped from piece of furniture to piece of furniture and you couldn't touch the ground and they've actually filled the floor of this giant room with liquid that they've colored red and they have it like bubble and spurt so it looks like lava and the game is basically can these teams work their way across this room without falling in the lava. And since it's this water stuff, the more it splashes, the more slippery everything gets. And so it becomes harder and harder to traverse these obstacles as the game goes on. And it's just really stupid, fun entertainment. And uh, it's pretty short usually. And one thing that's nice is they have different obstacle courses so it's not just the same course over and over every episode like each episode is a a new course that they put different teams through so it keeps staying fun and exciting and it was just a a ton of fun because it's it's funny how what happens is sometimes we'll like want the teams to fall on the lava because we're like these guys suck like we we hate them like we hope that they all fall in the lava and and don't succeed and then there's somewhere like we thought oh we're gonna hate these people but then they get out there and they're really smart and they work together and pretty soon we're rooting for them we're like go 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 and it is uh it's it's a fun show it's a type of show where you can watch 15 minutes of it and know yep i'm gonna love this or uh i'm not gonna love it and you can watch it with the whole family. So I, I would recommend checking out Flora's Lava just for the the stupidity and fun of it. Awesome. I just added it to my list. And the other one is Cobra Kai, which is a sequel to the Karate Kid movies at like 30 years later. Um, were, did you see all the Karate Kid movies as a kid? Were they like a part of your childhood? Yeah, definitely. Okay. Yeah. Um, so it basically casts, uh, Johnny, uh, in the main role. He is now in like his late forties or early fifties and he's kind of just never got his life together and is just down on his luck, working as a handyman, losing his job and things aren't going very well for him. And he decides to open up a Cobra Kai studio at, at the same time then Daniel LaRusso is this very successful car salesman who runs a, a big car sales company throughout the Valley. And he's like the hot shot, you know, I'm, I'm the man, hurrah, I was the all Valley karate champion. Life is awesome for me. But when he sees that this Cobra Kai 
studio is opening up, he's like, oh no, we can't have Cobra Kai coming back. It's I've, I've used this before that it exceeds its mandate and in that it's it sounds like it's going to be a pretty stupid show from the premise that, okay, great, we're just kind of rehashing something again. But it does a really, really good job of it. And it ends up telling a really good story where it's basically we, we've got two generations going on because there's this the old rivalry between uh, Daniel and Johnny that they've had ever since they were teenagers from Karate Kid 1. And like it gets into how they in some ways have never gotten over that rivalry in some ways have to learn to get past it and um, how like that's still a, a sore spot for them in different ways. And then it's also there's this new generation that is uh, coming up underneath them that is developing their own rivalries in 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 similar ways. And it is really good. There's two seasons out. Uh, there's a third season coming soon. But it's a show that once we started watching it, we just like binged through it so, so quickly. And I think it's, if you like the original Karate Kid movies, you'll really like this show. Yeah, I've heard good things about that for a while. Uh, my cousin, that was his first recommendation when I, I, I think I tweeted out like, hey, I'm getting Netflix like, I haven't had it for a year. What should I check out? And that was his first recommendation. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward. I added the first one you said to my list also. Um, and then a few others like the queen's gambit is one that I've been hearing a lot about lately. I've heard good things. So I'll check that out. My, my wife and I really enjoyed the crown. Uh, and I know there's more episodes of that now, so that'll be cool. And that's another one where like, I enjoyed that show, but she just like, she binges so hard on a show when she, watches tv that like i eventually am just like i want to do something other than just watch the show every evening so uh, the last season we watched the crown i even ditched off of that after a bit and started doing other things but both of these shows i mentioned are nice because they're they're shorter episodes i think they're they tend to be like half hour episodes and there's only i think 10 episodes of each of those per season nice it is kind of nice having stuff be more Attain. I mean, just like I was talking about the way the house has been. It's like short and sweet chapters. You know, the stories are quick, makes it more entertaining. You know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And like, it, it was short enough. I I remember when we started on the second season of Cobra Kai. Like, I would forcefully put limits. Like, okay, we're only going to watch two episodes a night because otherwise we'll just stay up till midnight watching the entire thing. <laughs> and because I. I oftentimes will want to spread it out a little bit. Once we get going, my wife gets angry when we stop because she just wants to to keep going. But I'm better at like saying, okay, let's only watch two and we can spread out this enjoyment over an entire week yeah. rather than just, you know, it's, it's like, let's have a, a slice of cake every night rather than eat an entire cake in one night. Yeah. Kind of That's thing. kind of what we've yeah. been doing with Shit's Creek too. Like we'll watch an episode and then my wife will watch horrible histories for an episode or two uh until we're ready to go to bed or until she's just done watching tv uh so that way it's like we kind of do a little bit at a time but now now that uh i started on the last dance i i just kind of want to watch that so i'll probably be dishing out on everything okay cool yeah all right well we've been going about an hour and we we ended up with three smorgasbords yeah between your comics my toys and Netflix. we had a smorgasbord of smorgasbords <laughs> I like that. that's very meta <laughs> nice i like it yeah and and meanwhile while we've been talking about all these smorgasbords i've also been trying to make decisions of how to uh navigate this storm with my business so you know been a, been a busy hour <laughs> oh wow interesting yeah i i know that's probably not a conversation for the show but i'm interested yeah i can tell you it, it probably isn't that interesting but i'll tell you when we uh wrap up <laughs> hit the stop button yeah Speaking of wrapping up, look at that segue. All right. Thanks for tuning in to another 99th episode. You can find my friend Paul on Twitter at Who's Paul. You can find me on Twitter at Bad Deacon. That's, I think, the main place where we socialize through media. And you can find all the past episodes wherever you found this one, such as Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Stitcher or or whatever you like. And tell a friend about this show. 
and we'll go from dozens of listeners to dozens of dozens of you out there. And that'll be awesome. Two dozen. Yeah. So I guess until uh, next time, Paul, in, enjoy uh, your smorgasbords. That's exactly what I'm going to do. A little bit of this, a little bit of that. Mm-hmm.